Well, we're going to uh, tell you a story. I know some time ago we told you this story, but it's worth, uh, worth repeating. In his book, Winning with People, John Maxwell told this story. He said uh, three boys grew up in the house together. They were brothers, very competitive. And uh, when they grew up, they went off to go and earn their, their living, make their millions, so to speak. And they all went off, and they, they were very successful, and they, they uh, earned a lot of money. And so they wanted to do something for their mom, and so, of course, their competitive juices got going, and they all wanted to outdo each other. Well, the first son, he said, uh, I'm going to build mom a big house. And he built her a big house, always like a mansion. Big house on a big piece of property. And he put her in the, in the house. And the second son said, I bought her a brand new Mercedes with a driver. Take her anywhere that she needs to go. And the third son said, well, I got you all beat. He says, I know what mom likes. He said, I've been working on this for years. He said, I bought a parrot and I sent him off. To a, monk, uh, to a monastery, and the monks worked with this parrot for 10 years. I had to pay them $10,000 every single year. But after 10 years, they finally got this parrot trained that all mom has to do is say a verse in the Bible, and the parrot will repeat it for her. It could recite the entire Bible. And all you had to do is say what reference you wanted. And uh, they sent all these presents on off there, and you know, mom had eventually, she got down and wrote a letter to them, and and sent the letter and said to the first son, you know, I really appreciate the big house that you, you made for me. But, you know, I really only live in the kitchen, the living room, and the bedroom. And, and that's, I don't need all those other rooms, but I have to clean them. And he told the second son, he says, you know, I appreciate the Mercedes and the driver. But, you know, I really don't go anywhere. I just pretty much stay at the house and the Mercedes just kind of stays there. And beside that, the driver's kind of rude. And to the third son, she said... You're the one who knows exactly what I like. And I so appreciate what you did. The chicken was delicious. <laughs> Sometimes, folks, we put a whole lot of effort into things and don't have the results at the end of it that we want. And last week we talked about how to get ourselves ready to use our inner inside voice. To use, using our inside voice is what we talked about. How, uh, you know, you're always told when you're growing up, use your inside voice, it's a little quieter. Well, God has an inside voice on the inside of us. It's quiet. We've got to get ready to hear it. We've got to get ready to listen and hear the things it has to say. And we looked at a number of examples in the Bible. Simeon being one, he heard that inside voice say, get over to the temple. And he was over the temple at the right time when Jesus was brought in. Because he was told, he says, you're not going to die until you see Jesus, until you see Messiah. And he didn't. And as soon as Jesus came in, he knew who it was. And he said, all right, I can die now. But if he hadn't listened to that inner voice, he wouldn't have been in the temple. Anna came in at just the right instant when all this was going on, and she got to see Jesus. If she hadn't listened to her inner voice, she wouldn't have been there. We saw that Silas remained at Antioch just because his inner voice said stay. And he was in the right place to team up with Paul and go on Paul's second missionary journey. And boy, that was a life-changing thing for him. Luke listened to his inside voice and wrote the Gospel of Luke in the book of Acts just because it seemed good. And we enjoy those, those uh, books. We have nothing else in our Bible, it tells us about all the things that the apostles did outside of Luke's writings. And there are some things about the, in the Gospel of Luke that he gives us a very unique perspective on. We are sure glad to, to have that. Jesus used his inside voice and knew when the soldiers were coming when he was in the garden. He knew some things about Nathaniel that really impressed Nathaniel. He knew some things about his enemies. He knew some things about people who were in need because he listened to his inside voice. But how do we get ourselves ready? Last time we, we looked at the thing, the three things that we need to do to get us ready. We have to learn, practice, and train. And then each one is something a little bit different. So we're going to take a look at each of these because just to tell you to learn, practice, and train doesn't mean you're going to go out there and do it any more than, you know, if you... How many of y'all had coaches in, in uh, high school or college sports or something? You had coaches. And y'all know they told you some things to do. How many did everything they told you, told you to do? <laughs> I mean, didn't we leave off some of those things? Didn't the coach have to come over to us a couple of times? I thought you were doing this. I told you to do this. 
didn't they have to keep reminding us and telling us? Because even though they said and we heard, we didn't do. We, we, uh, we didn't, you know, if you're in football, they tell you how to tackle. How many times, you know, you know how to tackle, you practice how to tackle, and then when you get out there in the field, you tackle, tackle wrong. And you don't quite do it right. You go over practice, you learn the plays, you know what the play is called, you get in the, there in the environment of the game, and the play is called, and you, what, which play is that? Can't quite remember. We need to get ourselves ready. You've got to learn, you've got to practice, you've got to train. You've got to get yourself ready. Learn, we take in the information. We find out what it is we have to do. Practice, you do the thing that you want to do, and train, you make yourself stronger and get yourself ready. How do we learn? Well, we learn three ways. Probably some other ways you can type in here, but we, we put in three for you. First off, you hear the Word. Faith comes by hearing. hearing. We hear the Word. You've got to hear the Word. You've got to read the Word. We're involved in a read through the New Testament program. Every year we go through this. How are you doing with that? Are you staying with it? Don't just cram. The whole idea is every day you read. I like it when Ethel comes up and she reminds you in the, in the beginning part. She doesn't do it every week, but she tells you some things she's uh, learning about and reading and keeps you going on that. That's, that's good. That helps you. You need to, you need to keep reading. Don't, don't let it go. Yeah, well, I already read it through last year, so <laughs> read it through again. And then read it through again. And then read it through again. We're not talking about study. We're talking about reading. There's a difference between reading and studying. You cannot replace one with the other. You need to sometimes just sit down and read the book. Not study it, just read it. Just take it in. Read the, read the book. And, and study the Word. That's the third one. Study the Word. Hear the Word. Read the Word. Study the Word. Do these things. This is your learning process. This is when you're taking this stuff in. If you don't learn the Word, you cannot practice and you cannot train. You've got to learn the Word. You've got to learn what the Word of God says. You've got to, you've got to take this stuff in. Now, where do you do most of your hearing? Some people do most of their hearing in church. Well, church is a, is a fine place to, to do that. Most people are only in church on Sunday. That's not enough hearing. Some people go to church Sunday and then midweek, whatever their, whether their church has a Wednesday night service like we have here, or the, some people have a Thursday night service, some have a Friday night service. And they get to hear it twice. And that's good. You still need to hear more. Some of you folks uh, have your DVR set up to record some people on the TV. And you sit down and you watch them. That's good. That helps. That helps you to hear as well. That's, that's a good thing. Some of you download MP3s and podcasts of uh, other church services. And that's good. Get more, the more you can get, keep on hearing. When do you do your hearing? Now make sure that you, when you do the hearing, you know, do it at times that, that it works for you, but that you can pay attention to it. Some of you folks have a commute to work. So instead of putting on this, the, the regular music station, put on the Word. Hear the Word going to work. Hear the Word coming home from work. You know, it'll help you. If you, uh, I like to run, so I put the Word on when I go run. When my wife comes in and she's uh, standing out there with me, we put the Word on, we listen to the Word when we're standing and doing stuff in the shop. We get to hear the Word then. When you've you got to make sure that you have time to hear the Word. I uh, downloaded a program onto my phone that uh, allows me to uh, have New Testament. And I get to listen to the New Testament sometimes. Sometimes when I run, I said, well, instead of just listening to somebody preach, I'm just going to listen to the New Testament. And I just put on, and in one run, I can get through a whole book. And it's just, just, just to go over it again, just to hear it again. Sometimes you just want to hear the, hear the Word. Get the hearing part. Get yourself going. Read, hear, study. Keep going after it. Now, here's the next question. Are you absorbing it? Or do you have difficulty remembering what you learned? Think of the bounty commercial. You know, you got the bounty brand and then you got the store brand. And the bounty brand drinks it all up, doesn't let any of it go, right? The store brand, what, what happens to it? <laughs> well, it gets a little bit of it, but the rest of it just pushes it around. And then the bounty towel will come on over and it'll clean up all that. You need to be the bounty towel. You need to absorb. You need to take it in. Just because you heard it doesn't mean that you absorbed it. You've got to make sure that you, that you heard it. You've got to make sure that you, that you took it in. What's the proof that you heard it? Proof that you heard it is you, is you, you remember it. You do it. If you, if, if you don't remember it, if you don't do it, if it's not working for you, 
probably didn't hear it. You need to go back and hear it again. I'll tell you what, you can tell people who don't absorb it real well because when they hear a message that they may have heard six months ago, oh, I heard that already. You can tell immediately they don't absorb it very well. Because if you really absorbed it, you'd say, oh, we're going over this again. God, I need to hear this again. I, uh, it might be something I missed. And you just take in some more. You just absorb some more. You can do it. Are you absorbing it? Or do you have difficulty remembering what you learned? What are you, what are you going to do? Br- Brother Keith Moore, he talks about, um, he used to do martial arts. I never did martial arts. I have no martial arts stories. I didn't take a class. I didn't walk in the door. I didn't put on the uniform. I did nothing with martial arts. I, I don't know anything about it. But some people know it better than that. He, was in, he said old school. Old school stuff. No pads. Concrete floor. Now, to me, that just sounds like foolishness, but, you know, that's... <laughs> I'm not a person who's into martial arts. But, and so um, they would say, you know, when you're in the class, and people pay, understand, people pay money to take this class. Amazes me. People pay money to take this. He paid money to take this class. He's sitting there old school, and um, he said, you know, the teacher would come on up, and they would uh, tell you a thing, and you're supposed to remember it. And if you came on up and you weren't doing this, one of the things, you, you're not supposed to lean on the wall. You're supposed to stand there. Don't lean on the wall. They'd tell you the first time, don't lean on the wall. After that, they didn't tell you anymore. They'd kick the legs out from underneath you. And you'd go down on your bottom on a cement floor. And your response was, thank you, sir. <laughs> That's what you did. You might not have that response, but then I guess you probably wouldn't be in the class all that long. They would, they would say that because uh, then you remember. You know, do you, are you remembering? Are you remembering the things of the Word? Are you absorbing it? Do you have difficulty remembering what you learned? We've we got to take that in. You know, if you go into the military, it's a whole lot better if you can remember stuff. If you forget stuff, it don't, it don't go well. They don't take that a whole lot uh, real, real good. In order to learn, we must be under or submitted to someone. In order to learn, there must be someone out there that is ahead of you. Someone out there that you can sit under. Someone out there that you can listen and learn from. I put this in your outline too. A problem for many believers is they become their own authority. They become their own authority. Well, I'm not going to believe that. It doesn't check out with me. I'm not going to believe that. Well, that means no one's ahead of you. No one's ahead of you. As I put in your outline too. If no one is ahead of or in front of you, you are probably going in the wrong direction. Just because no one's ahead of you doesn't mean you're going right. You know, I've, I haven't done a race in a long time, but um, I know where I fit in amongst, uh, uh, amongst runners. And if I ever involve myself in a race and I go out there and I am in the lead, I am thinking I am going the wrong way. <laughs> I, I have to be going the wrong way. Surely someone is in front of me. <laughs> I would get very nervous about that. I begin to think that. But see, a lot of Christians are out there and they think, you know, well, I'm in front of everybody. No one else knows it as, as good as I do. No, you're probably going the wrong way. <laughs> yeah, this, we have to be careful about that. Made a wrong turn. You did something and no one else is out there in front of you. No one else is good enough for you. No one else can teach you. You're in bad shape. Someone is ahead of you somewhere in something. And you need to be submitted to someone. And someone can teach you. Otherwise, how are you going to grow? Now, only truth helps us grow. We said in this, this before in the Word of God, John eight thirty two, And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Only truth can make you free. Anything that you take in that is false will hinder you. No matter how much you believe it. It will hinder you. You have got to take in truth. You've got to make sure that what you take in is 100% true. If you were to go out to a restaurant and you were to order whatever your favorite steak is, my favorite steak, hands down, ribeye. That is my favorite one. Uh, it comes under a couple of different names, but uh, most places have it as a ribeye. My favorite one. If it's 99.9% ribeye and 1% arsenic, is it good? But it's only a little bit. No, it doesn't matter. It's only the truth that will set you free. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, 
They were not teaching 100% truth. What did Jesus say about their teaching? Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. He said a little leaven leavens the whole loaf. You get a little bit of untruth in there, it infiltrates the whole thing. You've got to make sure. You've got to be passionate about the truth. That's why you keep learning. People who uh, no one else is, is ahead of them, no one else can teach them, they probably swallowed some false truth and no one else will confirm it. Be careful with that. But you all know how to learn things. You know how to, how to do that. That's, that's pretty simple. We're going to get into some of the things you may not know as well. Practice is the next one. You've got to practice. Practice in the dictionary means repeated performance or systematic exercise for the purpose of acquiring skill or proficiency. In other words, you do the same thing over and over again so that you get good at it. Nikolai's a nice uh, piano player, great piano player. I've listened to him play wonderful stuff. I cannot do, or do any of those things. I did take piano lessons, and I still can't play the machine. <laughs> cannot do it at all. It just will not. We don't get along. But he makes it sound really good. But that didn't happen overnight. It takes practice. It takes doing the thing until your fingers hurt, until your arms hurt, until your eyes hurt. Whatever else can hurt when you're playing the piano, I'm sure it can hurt. Because you've got to practice a long time. You've got to go, go out to that thing. Whatever instrument that you want to take up, it takes a lot of practice to get it down right. Whatever thing that you want to do, it takes a lot of practice to get it down right. It takes, you've got to keep doing the thing over and over and over and over. And after you master the, I mean, how many, I'm sure we all took piano lessons at some point, even though most of us don't play it now. And, you know, when you, I remember the transition going from when we were doing the lessons for one hand. Do you remember doing that, taking lessons and playing one handed? And then when they said, all right, now we're going to work the second handed. I didn't like that. Didn't like bringing the second hand in. No, this is, this is, uh, this is not good. But uh, we don't know. Brother Keith, he talks about playing the piano, and, and he uh, learned how to play the piano, but he didn't play any of the black keys. <laughs> he didn't like the black keys. He didn't play the black keys. He didn't do any of those kind of things, and eventually he had to find out, well, i got to do the, the black keys, and so he, he did. But uh, practice, you've got to keep repeating the same thing over and over again to get it down right, because if you don't get those things down, then you can't move on to the other things. And if you don't get those down, then you can't move on to the, the stuff that goes on after that. So how do we practice? Well, here's the simplest thing. Do what you learn. When you learn something, do it. Simple as that. You learn something, you do it. Mr. Miyagi, y'all remember him? I mean, he had uh, the little, who's the little guy that he was teaching? What's his name? Danielson. Now, he took the little Danielson out there and he had him wax the car. Wax on, wax off. That's the one we all know the best. But, you know, he was also scrubbing the deck. He's scrubbing the deck out there. He, wasn't he painting? He was doing some painting. And he was doing some painting and stuff like that. And finally, he got tired of it. And he says, hey, I'm out here waxing your car and painting your fence and painting your house and cleaning your deck and sanding this. And I'm tired of it. You're just getting free, free labor out of me. I, I, I came here to learn some stuff. And so then he showed him how all those motions got him ready for, the, for what he was going to teach him. But he didn't see that. And so the whole idea is, you need to trust me as a teacher, that I'm taking you in the right direction. When you learn something, know that your teacher says, teacher being the Holy Spirit, he's saying, this is what you need right now. If this is what you need right now, what should you do? Practice it. Put it into practice right away. Get it going. Put it in there and, and uh, just learn it. You learn by doing. You can learn by textbook, but you learn by doing too. Get in there and do the thing. And then share what you learn. Don't keep it to yourself. Share it with other people. There might be other Christians that need to know what you learned. There might be unsaved people out there that you're interacting with that they need to know what you learned. Share it with them. When you do, you're practicing. You're practicing. You're going over the, the thing, over and over. When you share what you learn, you are regurgitating what it is that you learn, and you're practicing it. You're getting it down. When you do it, you're getting it down. You're learning how to do this thing. And you're getting yourself ready. In John chapter 2, verse 5, we've looked at this before. His mother said to his servants, whatever he says to you, 
Do it. Whatever he says to you. Do it. He didn't say to do, he didn't say go off and have a big prayer mess, uh, meeting. He didn't say go off and study the word. He didn't say go off and pray and command this to happen. He just said, no. Fill the water pots with water. When they did that, then draw it out and give it to the master of the ceremonies. And they did that. How many times is, does Jesus do this with people? Layman's down there on the ground. Get up. Rise up. Take up your bed and walk. If he argued with them, he would have lost his opportunity. I guarantee you, folks, when we get to heaven, we're going to find out that there were some people down here on earth that when Jesus said to them, rise up, take up your bed and walk, they said, but I can't. And they just didn't write about them. I mean, why would you write about that? He wrote about the ones who did it. And the man rose up, took up his bed and walked. That was his opportunity. We have an opportunity to do these things. Whatever he says to you, do it. Whatever he says to you. I was listening to a message yesterday, and uh, the, the, the pastor was sharing a story. He was, uh, he was just getting into where he was teaching a whole lot more and, uh, and, and preaching a lot more. And he was having trouble with his voice. His voice wasn't keeping up with the schedule as he, as he uh, was increasing. And so he sought the Lord about it. And the Lord said, because he, he, he slept uh, without a shirt on and with the fan on. And the, he did it all his life. That's how he always slept. And the Spirit of God said this to him. Put a shirt on and turn the fan off when you go to sleep. That seemed awfully ridiculous. And I've always slept this way. He gets hot. I don't know what it is. It just, that's what he always did. Winter, summer, didn't matter what it was. That's what he did. And he, say, he said, well, I didn't do it right away. Eventually he did, but he didn't do it right away. And uh, when he did... He didn't have any more problems with his voice. Just something simple like that. What should you do? So we all want to, the, we want to be like the guy with the leprosy. I thought he'd come out, wave his hand, call on the name of his God. That's what we like. There was another preacher who shared his story. He said uh, he was just, he was uh, ill. They, his, his body just wasn't keeping up with the schedule. He just, the whole body just wasn't. He was uh, fatigued. He was uh, staying in bed longer and Pretty soon he was staying in bed so long he would get up just enough time to get out there and minister in the church service and come back and go to bed and stay in bed until the next service. Just staying in bed. And he thought, God, you know, God, I, I, I need to be healed of this thing. My body needs to, I need to, to get going. And God simply said, this, this came up in the spirit. Put more salt in the food. What does that have to do with anything? Put more salt in your food. He put more salt in this food. Guess what happened? He didn't have to sleep. He didn't stay in bed. His body kept up with him. He was able to go on about and do what he had to do. Now, those are preachers. Well, God likes preachers better than he does everybody else. <laughs> no, he doesn't. He'll tell you the same thing. You just got to listen. You got to hear. Brother Hagin used to tell us stories of this. He would say, uh, uh, all of a sudden, up in his spirit would come, don't drink tea. He liked to drink tea, iced tea, hot tea. I don't know. I think it was mostly iced tea. But the Spirit told him, said, don't drink tea. He didn't question why. He just stopped drinking the tea. He said a week, two weeks, three weeks later, whatever it was, the Spirit inside of him said, all right, drink tea again. I don't know why. He said he told me not to drink tea. I guess my body didn't need something that was in it. Whatever it was, I didn't question it. We just did it. It may come up in your spirit, sleep more. It may come up in your spirit, go to bed earlier. It may come up in your spirit, get up earlier. Whatever it might be, it may come up in your spirit to eat vegetables. I haven't heard that one yet, but it might come up in your <laughs> it might come up in your spirit, and if it does, then you need to do it. Don't do it because your your spouse says it. Don't do it because your your uh, friends say it. Do what God says to do because it comes up on the inside of you to do it. See, here's the problem we have, folks. We do what God tells other people and expect their results. Now you don't you don't get that. God may have told Brother Hagin. God may have told Brother Keith. God may have told uh, Brother Creflo Dollar. God may have told other people, you know, do this. And you hear that, oh, well, if I do that. Because some people heard, throw away your, uh, they heard a person say, I threw away my medication. And God healed me. Well, God told them to throw away their medication. Then they obeyed God. But if you throw away your medication, you're not obeying God. If God told you to, then you are. But otherwise, 
That's the, you don't have faith in throwing away your medication. You don't have faith in changing your diet. You have faith in your God. And when your God says something, do it. Do it. I told you years ago the foot issue I was, I was having. And it extends all the way back to, to college. I know exactly the year that it was that it all started up. And um, just, you know, trouble. And they told me how to fix it. And the fix was nasty. Real nasty. They, you know, break both feet, metatarsal, being a cast for six months. And maybe that might fix it. I didn't like that idea. <laughs> so we didn't do that one. We went ahead with the second solution, which was a, uh, not, a, not a fun one, but it was a, it was a whole lot better. And I told you for, for years, I could not wear, I could not go barefoot. Could not go, could not at all go barefoot. Not for a little, and I love being down the beach. Being down the beach is great, but you know, you don't, you have shoes on down the, the beach. Why would you do that? Because I can't go barefoot. Go out in the water, you try and uh, rest, uh, jump around there. Well, as long as my feet weren't on the ground, we were okay. But as soon as I started walking on the ground, feet hurt. We went down to, uh, this all came into a, to a head when I went, took the family down to Florida. And we, uh, I was standing in line for the, for the amusements. Never stood in line this long because, you know, sometimes you're standing in line for an hour for one of those rides. And by the time we got to the end of it, I was in such agony and pain. Barely enjoyed the, the ride. And so uh, I suffered through and we made it on through. But oh, I'll tell you what, it was, it was incredible pain. Incredible pain. And so uh, a few years later, they, they all said, let's go down there again. I'm immediately thinking standing in line and all the discomfort and all the pain. Oh, I just, I don't. All right, we'll go ahead and go. So I said, well, go as long as you all agree that when I hit my limit, you let me sit down. You all go off. Don't make me feel bad because you guys are standing back. You all go off and you all, you all have fun. And you just let me sit there. And so this, they all agreed. And so I went on down there. And so I survived for about half the day. And then they put me in a, in a chair somewhere. And then they come back and get me later on. And I just stayed there. I said, man, this is, it just hurts so bad. And this, this particular time, we're at a timeshare. And at the end of it, there was uh, these guys that were playing basketball at nighttime. And uh, it came up, my spirit, spirit, go run with them. Man, I can barely walk right now. What do you mean go run with them? I can barely walk. It hurts to walk. I can't stand. What do you mean? So I went out there and I ran with them and ran the whole thing back up, down, whole thing. Younger guys, I kept up with them. But back and forth, back and forth. My wife said to me afterwards, how is it that you can't stand in line but you can go run? I says, I don't know. I really didn't know. I didn't know what it was. How, how can you do that? And so um, I began to, to, to learn. God just told me. He said, run. You know, run, Forrest, run. <laughs> so that's, we picked up running again. I found out that as long as I run 20 miles a week, that seemed to be the break point, right around 20 miles. As long as I run 20 miles a week, I don't even know I have the injury. If I fall below 20 miles a week, it comes back. What did God say to me? Go run. Well, you know, it's not a bad fix. I love to run. You have to go out there and do something. You know, it's like t- telling somebody who's trying to lose weight, best way for you to do it is to eat. <laughs> you, know, I, you see, there's some things I haven't used my faith on. It's quite to the degree that I should. If you put me into a room with cats... I mean, oh, my son is the same way. It's, uh, you know, the, I start getting sn- sneezing and runny eyes and just, oh, it's, it's terrible. It's terrible. But, you know, you, there's some things you just don't want to believe God, spend time believing God for, for to get rid of. <laughs> <laughs> just uh, didn't want to do it. And um, the dogs are no problem, but cats, holy cow. They, they can be something else. But, you know, that just comes up. What is it? it you, why? Why would that help? Well, what do you do about cats? You just stay away from them and you don't have any in your house. We have no problem. That's all right. My wife doesn't like cats either, so she likes to go visit them, pet them and stuff like that, and, and, um, and so we're, we're okay with that one. But what you, it'll come up in your spirit what you can do. What should you do? Whatever he says to do, do it. But you see, we question God an awful lot. Well, why should I do that? You see, when I, when I question God on those things, I'm not doing what comes up in my spirit. When I don't do what comes up in my spirit, I don't learn to develop that, that ear to hear what he's saying. And I'm not being quick to obey. 
and I hold myself back. This is how you practice. Do what you learn to do. Repetitively. Just keep going over it. Learn. And then once you learn, put it into practice. Do it. And then share what you learn. Go talk to others. I tell you what, when you start doing this and you stop hogging it all to yourself. Not that you all doing that. Just, just Don't hog this stuff to yourself. When you start sharing with other people and you start talking with other people and sharing with them what God has revealed to you, God will reveal more to you as you share. He does it. You'll learn more. And if you hadn't shared, you wouldn't learn it. You need to get out there and do it. Do what you learn and share what you learn. Look for opportunities to share. You're going to have opportunities. You're going to have opportunities at work. People are going to ask you questions. Well, I want work to know that I'm a Christian. Well, you're not learning the right things. You're not putting the right things into practice. You need to, people need to know you're a Christian. People need to know you, you stand up for him. Word of God says, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my father. It's pretty simple. You don't need a PhD to understand that. In Luke 10, verse 1, after these things, the Lord appointed 70 others also and sent them two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. So Jesus, he would let them see he's laying hands on people. He's commanding spirits to go. He's telling diseases to go. And then what's he do? All right, you guys have watched me. All right, I'm going I'm to lay my hands on you. I'm going to send you out. And you all are going to go out two by two. He sent them on out. He sent not only his own 12, he sent 70 others as well. And they all came back and they said, wow, even the demons are subject to us. This is, this is neat. Well, they went out and they did what they saw Jesus do. They put it into practice. <clears throat> now, they took on some cases that were not quite as involved as the ones Jesus took on. We understood that uh, they had a <clears throat> difficulty with a few cases. And Jesus came in and he wasn't too happy with that. I think that's how John chapter 9 talked about that, or Mark chapter 9, one of those. I put this in your outline for you. If we don't do what we know, we cannot develop or mature to even have the ability to learn what we don't know, what we yet don't know. You need to learn the stuff where you are now so that God can get you ready to move into the next phase. And then He can get you ready to move into the next phase. And then he can get you ready to move into the next phase. But we keep waiting for the big phase to come. But the big phase doesn't come. Because we haven't done the little phases. We haven't put these things together before. You need to do it. You need to get yourself going. There's this one. Train. How do we train? How do we train? Now, training is making yourself stronger. When you train, we saw this before in the, in the last time. When you, you see guys in the, in the Army, in the Armed Forces, the Navy, the Marines, wherever it is that they're in, they're down there doing push-ups. They're doing pull-ups. They're doing sit-ups. They're doing uh, these kind of exercises. When in combat do you ever need to do a sit-up? Ever, do, you, do you ever need to, in combat, you know, do 10 sit-ups? Do you ever in combat need to do 20 push-ups? I won't shoot you if you can pull 20 right now. It never comes up, does it? So why do you do these things that have nothing to do with what you're, you're doing? Because they train you, they build you up, they get you stronger. They get those muscles stronger so that when you need the muscles, the muscles are ready to do what you need to do in combat. So you do these other things. You lift weights. You do stuff like that to, to get yourself ready. There's a training process. How do we train as a Christian? First off, meditate on the Word. You cannot meditate on what you don't know. You've got to read the Word, study the Word, hear the Word. You've got to get it in you. When you've got it in you, you meditate on it. You go over it. You go over it. And you go over it. Meditate on the Word. Joshua 1.8 talks about that. We're supposed to meditate on His Word. That it, the, book was, the book of the law was not to depart from His mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. Meditate on the Word. Second, pray the Word. Pray the Word is part of your training process. Most people don't pray the Word. Most people pray fear and doubt. Most people beg. Most people try and get on God's compassion side. Feel bad for me, God. Do this thing. They don't pray the Word. If you prayed the Word, your prayers would be shorter. 
It's just the way it is, folks. If you prayed the word, your prayers would be shorter. If you prayed too long, you're going to get an unbelief. It's just what you're going to do. You're going to get it fall into uh, trying to guilt God into something, trying to uh, convince God to do something. No, you pray the word, Father God, I thank you your word said this, and I thank you that it's true in my life, and it's mine. Let me go on. <laughs> but then why do we have to pray for a long time? Well, you don't have to pray for a long time. You can have conversations with God. You can pray in the Spirit. You can do things like that. But when you have a request before God, you should be done in 15, 20 seconds. Should be about it. Maybe 30. 30 tops. 30 seconds tops. I mean, really, you know how much you can say in 30 seconds? You start saying too much more than that, you're going to get out there in unbelief. You're going to get away from the Word. You're going to try and convince God based on your works. That's, that's wrong. You're going, to, you're going to try and get God to comply because of a promise. God, if you'll do this, I'll do this. That's wrong. That's not praying the Word. Here's how you train. Meditate on the Word. Pray the Word. Talk the Word. Just talk the Word with other people. Talk the Word to yourself. Walk around to yourself. Talk to talk yourself about the Word. Just keep quoting the Scripture to yourself. Just do it. This is training. This is your training process. You're getting yourself stronger. We weaken ourselves by doing the opposite. First off, thoughts of worry. We've uh, Brother uh, Doug Jones is one who told us this. He may have learned it from somebody else, but I learned it from him. He said, worry is corrupted meditation. Now, that's simple. You keep meditating on the problem, how it's going to go bad and how it's going to get worse and all these things that are going to happen. That's worry. Meditate the word. Thoughts of worry. They're going to weaken you. They take you down. The more you worry, the weaker you will be. Don't do it. Prayers that beg. They weaken you. They, they disarm your faith. Don't, don't have prayers that beg. It, it would be better that you didn't pray at all than if you did a prayer that begged. You did a prayer that leaned on your goodness, your faithfulness, your works. You would be better off if you didn't pray at all because this will weaken you. You don't need to do it. Don't pull these things in. Here's the third one. Talking fear and doubt. Instead of talking the word, you're talking fear and doubt. How do we do that? How many times have you seen this happen at work? I'm sure not with anyone here, but you know, you've seen it at work. People go up, well, I'm just afraid I might get that flu. What are they talking? Are they talking the word? No. How should you respond? Well, the word of God says, I am free from sickness and disease. Yeah, but what happens if I get sick? Dear Lord, why, why do you wonder why you are a weak Christian with a thought like that? Shouldn't have it. What should you say? Well, of course I'm not. God's going God's to keep me whole. Just like uh, Brother Jolly was testifying about not using his health insurance all year long. That's good. It's a whole lot better than having to use it. Don't talk fear and doubt. Don't talk, well, what happens if God doesn't do this? What happens if it doesn't work? Don't talk that way. Don't think that way. Don't do it. Thoughts of worry, prayers that beg, talking fear and doubt. These things weaken you. They will weaken you. They will take you down. Do not do it. Now, when we were in cross country and in camp and, you know, we all, all the guys around, there were all kinds of things we came up with we thought weakened us. I don't know to this day if they were true. But we thought they were. And so we didn't do them. One of them was desserts. We thought desserts weakened us. I don't know where that came from. I don't know what happened to it. But we had this thought that desserts weakened us. They were of the devil. That's right. <laughs> of the devil. And so um, we let it be known. Some of us, you know, we, 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 I mean, some of us were not as talented as others. I was not among the most talented of runners. There were other runners there who had far more talent and were far faster than I was. So we had, you know, you're grasping at every straw that you got. And so, you know, no, no dessert would, would, would do that. So we, we cut out desserts. Now, understand, we had to eat 4,500 calories a day. And you do that without desserts, that's tough. You know, one cheesecake will really help you out. 
<laughs> we, we didn't do it. No cakes, no cookies, no candy bars, no milkshakes, nothing. Except one day a week, I would allow myself an ice cream sandwich. One day a week. Allow myself, because I figured ice cream wasn't so bad. Ice cream's all natural stuff. Ice cream sandwich, and one day a week. I still to this day don't know, but see, we thought it. And because we thought it, we, we went ahead and we, we did it. We thought bananas made us better runners, so we ate lots of bananas. Lots of bananas. Get that potassium in, do all this sort of stuff. Because we thought it. See, we, you don't have to think this. You know. I can tell you for absolute sure, certainty. Worry will weaken you. Go through the Word of God and look at what it says about worry. It says, do not worry. Do not have any fear or anxiety about anything. It does it for a reason. Because God says, it will weaken you. It will pull you down. Look at the people in the Word who worried and had fear and anxiety. It weakened them. Abraham, when he gave in to fear, worry, and anxiety, it kept him weak. When he finally got rid of all that, faith child came. Stay out of that stuff. You know, we just, we thought these things did it and helping us uh, out and running, but thoughts of worry. Prayers that beg. Now, whatever it is that, that you've got that you do know, we get Nikolai up here, he talks about uh, playing the piano. Get uh, Brother Jolly up here talking about playing on the drum. They could probably tell you things that make you a, a, a less of a piano player and less of a of a, um, a drum player. You have singers. They could tell you things that makes them less of a singer. I don't know those things because I don't. I'm not involved with those things. But they could probably, everything that you are going to do, there is something that is going to be your kryptonite. Something that's going to make you weaker. Something that's going to take away that strength that you have on the inside. And you need to stay away from it. You need to get out of it. Thoughts of worry are one of those things. They will weaken you as a Christian. Instead, think the Word. Meditate on the Word. That will make you stronger. Instead of prayers that beg, prayers that talk about how good you are and how much God should come through for you and how faithful you've been, just pray the Word. Just pray the Word. Instead of talking fear and doubt, talk the Word. You found it easy to talk fear and doubt. But talk the Word. How easy is it to say, if I don't get a miracle, I'm not going to be able to pay the rent this month. Isn't that easy to say? A whole lot easier to say, a whole lot easier to, than saying, Father God, I thank you that you are coming through and that all my needs are met. It's a whole lot easier to say that. Remember what Jesus said when he told the man who was lowered down through the roof, your sins are forgiven? They all got upset. And Jesus said, what's easier to say? Your sins are forgiven? Or rise, take up your bed and walk? See, some things are easier to say. 1 Kings chapter 13. Here's what we're getting ready for. Been learning, practicing, and training for what? And behold, a man of God went from Judah to Bethel by the word of the Lord. And Jeroboam stood by the altar to burn incense. This is the altar that he set up for false worship of God. And he cried out against the altar by the word of the Lord and said, O altar, altar, thus says the Lord, behold, a child, Josiah by name, shall be born to the house of David, and on you he shall sacrifice the priests of the high places who burn incense on you, and men's bones shall be burned on you. And he gave a sign that same day, saying, This is a sign which the Lord has spoken. Surely the altar will split apart, and the ashes on it shall be poured out. So it came to pass when King Jeroboam heard the saying of the man of God who cried out against the altar in Bethel, that he stretched out his hand from the altar, saying, Arrest him. Then his hand, which he stretched out toward him, withered, so that he could not pull it back to himself. The altar also was split apart, and the ashes poured out from the altar, according to the sign which the man of God had given by the word of the Lord. Well, this man came, and he made a prophecy. Remember why Jeroboam got involved with the golden calves and the false worship? Because he thought that by the children of Israel going down to Jerusalem, that they would eventually forget about him, and that the whole... Uh, northern tribes would go back to David, back to the house of David. So this prophet comes up and almost seems to confirm his fear because he says Josiah will be born to the house of David, but he's on property that the northern tribes control. How does a king from the south come over to the area of the north unless the whole tribes had gone over to him? This is what Jeroboam is going to be thinking about. See, I knew I was right. He's going to be thinking that. 
Well, the thing that you fear, the Word of God says, will come upon you. Now, the ten northern tribes never went over to the house of David. But Josiah does come over here and does take care of this. Then the king answered and said to the man of God, Please entreat the favor of the Lord your God and pray for me, that my hand may be restored to me. So the man of God entreated the Lord. And the king's hand was restored to him, and he became as before. Then the king said to the man of God, Come home with me and refresh yourself, and I will give you a reward. But the man of God said to the king, If you were to give me half your house, I would not go in with you, nor would I eat bread nor drink water in this place. For so it was commanded me by the word of the Lord, saying, Here's the command. He's quoting it. You shall not eat bread nor drink water nor return by the same way you came. It's that simple. Here's what God said. After you deliver this word, here's your, your command. You shall not eat bread, nor drink water, nor return by the way you came. He didn't say don't return. He said don't return by the way that you came. And while he was in the land, he was not to eat bread or drink water. Is that pretty simple? Does this man have a grip on this? So he went another way and did not return by the way he came to Bethel. Now, they didn't know how he came to Bethel. He just showed up. Then he went home a different way. He knew which way he came, and he knew he had to go home a different way. I don't know if you've ever done this, but if you go to a place, you know, there's a short way, and then there's other ways. But we all like the short way, because it's faster. The other ways just, you know, are longer. But he has to take the, the other way. They didn't have as many roads as we have. So his short way was not a mile or two longer. It was probably a lot longer. And he's probably going the whole way. God, why couldn't I just go home the same way? I'd be home now. He didn't, he didn't do that. He went and did it. Now an old prophet dwelt in Bethel, and his sons came and told him all the works the man of God had done that day in Bethel. And they also told their father the words which he had spoken to the king. And their father said to them, Which way did he go? For his sons had seen which way the man of God went, who came from Judah. Then he said to his sons, Saddle the donkey for me. So they saddled the donkey for him, and he rode on it. And went after the man of God and found him sitting under an oak tree. And then he said to him, Are you the man of God who came from Judah? And he said, I am. Now he's sitting under an oak tree. He's not eating anything. He's not drinking anything. Did God say, Thou shalt not sit? Thou shalt not rest under the shade of a tree? He didn't say that. All he said was, Don't eat. Don't drink. Don't go home the same way you came. And he's doing that. Then he said to him, Come home with me and eat bread. And he said, I cannot return with you nor go in with you, neither can I eat bread nor drink water with you in this place. For I have been told by the word of the Lord. Here he goes again. You shall not eat bread nor drink water there, nor return by going the way you came. And he spoke to him, I too am a prophet as you are. And an angel spoke to me by the word of the Lord, saying, Bring him back with you to your house that he may eat bread and drink water. He was lying to him. So he went back to him and ate bread in the house and drank water. Now it happened as they sat at the table, the word of the Lord came to the prophet who had brought him back. That's the old prophet. And he cried out to the man of God who came from Judah, saying, Thus says the Lord, because you have disobeyed the word of the Lord and have not kept the command which the Lord your God commanded you. But you came back, ate bread and drank water in the place in which the Lord said, Eat no bread, drink no water. Your corpse shall not come to the tomb of your fathers. I don't know about you. I, I mean, can you read this and not, not think this doesn't sound right? This doesn't sound. How does the word of the Lord come to the prophet after he lies to the uh, younger prophet who came from Judah? How does the word of the Lord come to him? I mean, I would think lightning would come and strike him down. That's just the way it should be. But that's not how it happened. But the, the young prophet knew what he was supposed to do. He had that directly from God. We don't know if it was a still small voice. We don't know if an angel appeared to him. We don't know if he had a dream. If you had a vision, we don't know those things. All we know is he was convinced this is what the Lord spoke to him. This is what he knew. So it was after he had eaten bread and, and after he had drunk, he sat on the donkey for him, the prophet whom he had brought back. When he was gone, a lion met him on the road and killed him. And his corpse was thrown on the road and the donkey stood by it and the lion also stood by the corpse. And there a man passed by, saw the corpse thrown on the road, and the lion standing by the corpse. And they went and told it in the city where the old prophet dwelt. So he gets the word comes back. Now, the young prophet, was he supposed to not do this unless God sent word otherwise? It was a simple word. Don't eat bread. 
Don't drink water there and come home a different way than you go. That was simple. That was it. The man withstood a king. A king said, come on back with me. I'm going to give you a reward. We're going to do some nice things for you. Come on back with me. He said, no. He was able to resist a king. And when the, when the person first shows up, he just thinks he's another person. And he resists him. No, no, I'm not supposed to eat bread, drink water here, or go home by the way that I came. He says the whole thing. This guy has no idea which way he came or which way he went. He doesn't have to say all that, but he's saying the whole thing to him. But he says, ah, no, wait a minute. I'm a prophet too. And an angel came and spoke to me. He says, bring him on back. He needs to get some refreshment. He's kind of tired. And the man says, I am kind of tired. I am kind of thirsty. I am hungry. Probably could use a little bit of that. He could not resist this. And he went on back. And the word came to him. You didn't do it. Because you didn't do it, you're not going to be buried in the tomb. So what happens? He, I mean, the old prophet comes out and he's real nice to him. He saddles his donkey for him and he's wishing him on his way. He says, probably somewhere in there he apologized. I'm sorry I lied to you. I just really want to have some fellowship with another person who was a believer. And there's a lot of unbelievers up here. And just having somebody who believes like I do, it's so nice. Isn't it interesting that this old prophet was here, that the word of the Lord was not delivered to him? It was delivered to someone outside? There's a reason for that. We don't know what it was, but we know that there's a reason for that. Lion comes and he kills the prophet, but doesn't eat him. Lions don't kill for sport. They kill for food. The donkey comes and sits down next to the lion. Those two don't don't get along real well. Usually donkeys run away from lions. Not very fast. Most of them get caught. But here they are. And people would walk by and they saw the lion, they saw the donkey, and they saw the corpse. You don't see that every day. So they went on back into the city and they, man, you ought to see this sight that's out there on the road. Lion, donkey, and a dead man. We didn't go over there, a dead man. The lion's there. <laughs> we, we didn't go over there. We, uh, we kind of tried to get away from that. See, this man wasn't ready. He wasn't ready for everything. Why was he not ready? It seemed like he, he knew the word. He had learned the word. It seemed like he had meditated on it enough. He knew it real, real well. And he was able to resist the king, but he was not able to resist a believer who lies to him. A believer who lied to him got through and pulled him in. He wasn't ready. We're going to follow this theme out one more week. Because next week we're going to look at this. This is what it's going to be called. Training day. Training day. We're going to go through the Word of God. We're going to look at a couple of people. There are a number of people in the Word of God who were trained, some for a specific day. But some of the greatest people in the Bible, their entire lives were shaped around two, sometimes three, Sometimes four days. In their entire life, everything was shaped around what happened on those days. Some were ready and some were not. God is getting you ready. If if the pattern holds, if the pattern holds, you may live a 50, 60, 70, 80 year life And it all hinged on three or four days in your life. Are you going to be ready when those days come up? Will you recognize them? Will you do the things that will have you ready? This man faced a day that would change his life. And unfortunately, he made the wrong choice and it ended it. And he went no further. You think God would have used him more? Surely he would have. There's a, here's one just for you to be thinking about. Elisha had to have been training, getting himself ready. And one day, the prophet Elijah comes to him and throws his mantle over his shoulder. And Elisha responds immediately, I will come. I will follow you. And his life changed. 
He was ready. But you see, he was doing things before. Because God, when he was speaking with Elijah in the cave, God says, you think you're the only one? I've got 7,000 that are on my side. And in fact, we're going to have you go out and anoint your successor, Elisha. He had already been doing some things called God's eye. He was already trained up. He was already ready. And God knows when I give him that day of decision, he's going to take it. Folks, there's a day of decision that will come to all of our lives. For some, it will be one day. For some, it may be two. For some, it may be three. Your entire life, all the decisions you make, all the things that you learn, all the battles that you face are getting you ready for something. Will you recognize it? Will you be ready? When the day came for Joseph and the dream came to him, do not be afraid to take Mary as your, as your wife. Joseph was ready. And he answered. A second day came to Joseph. Joseph, you need to go down to Egypt. And Joseph uprooted his family from where he was and moved down to Egypt until God says, the men who seek his life are gone. And he came back. He heard on the day that he had the dream. He heard on the day that he was to go. And he heard on the day that he came back. Three days that shaped Joseph's life. But everything that happened in between was to get him ready for those three days. Are you getting ready? What are you getting ready for? And will you recognize it when it comes? Those are the things we're going to look at next week. Because we want to be able to recognize these things when they come. If our entire life, our entire call, can be shaped on one, two, three, maybe four days, we better be ready for it. I put down at the bottom of your outline there the three things. What are you doing to get yourself ready? What are you doing in the area of learning? What are you doing in the area of practicing? What are you doing in the area of training? Are you making yourself stronger? Are you getting good at doing what God says to do? Are you learning what God is saying to do? Your day is coming. The day that God has trained you is coming. One more example we're going to give you. Jesus withdrew to the Garden of Gethsemane to get ready for one of the most important days of his life. The day that he would go to the cross. Because Jesus, too, had several days of great importance. Several days that changed his life. This was one. He withdrew and he prayed, but he pulled three people aside. He said to those three, he says, Pray with me that you, en that you enter not into temptation. And they didn't pray. They fell asleep. He came back, woke them up, said, Pray with me that you enter not into temptation. They fell asleep. Came back third time, saw him falling asleep. He still let him sleep. And they didn't do anything. When they came out of there, Jesus was ready for his day. And he, he went on through. But those three, what happened to them? They ran. They denied. They weren't ready. They recovered eventually, but they were not ready. What would have happened if those three would have faced their day better? What if they would have recognized it for the day that it was? What if they would have realized this is an important day? We're not going to be able to get into all the days next week, but we are going to cover a number of them, and you'll be able to go with your own mind because you know much of the Bible. You'll be able to go with your own mind and see how each one, how it happened. You look at the great guys, the Pauls, the Peters. Every day they were doing things for God, but not every day was pivotal. Not every day changed their life. But there were a few. There were a few. 
Are you prepared? Do you see every day that you are here, not just the mundane Christian walk, but training you for what is to come? That the day is approaching and God knows when the day will be here. And you need to be ready. We all like that verse that says, God will not give you a temptation too great. We all love that verse. But Peter, James, and John fell into temptation. Was the temptation too great? No. They didn't get ready. Our prophet here, was the temptation too great? No. He just wasn't ready. Most of the time, folks, we have failed for God. It's because we are not ready. Is it God's fault? (laughs) He has done the things to get us ready. But we have not listened all the time. We need to develop that ear. We need to develop that inner voice. We need to know. I need to obey. I need to get good at this. I need to get real good at this because a day is coming. A day is coming in my life that will be pivotal. And it will decide where I go for God. Am I ready for it? Am I prepared? How am I doing on my training? How am I doing on my practicing? How am I doing on my learning? All these things will come in and they will factor. And on this one day, you will be exposed for your weaknesses or for your strengths. Would y'all stand with me? Father, we thank you for the preparation that you bring us through. The life that sometimes frustrates us to no end is a life filled with preparation, making us ready. Because you know there'll be one, two, three, four, maybe five days that will change the course of our life. And you want us ready for those days. I thank you, Father, for the help that you give us in making us ready and preparing us. For when these pivotal days come, we will be prepared. We will be trained. We will be practiced. And we will be well learned. I thank you, Father, that our lives will change on those days. They will change for the good. Give you the praise and the glory for it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. We have some praise reports, some things that have been turned in. If you didn't turn in yours and you want to write it up real quick, you can certainly do that. I'm sure most of you are in a habit now. Any praise reports turned in so far? Yeah, there's uh, one coming up over here. A couple more coming in the, in the back. Okay, I've got one here. First of all, I wanted to thank everybody for your Christmas cards and your wonderful gifts. We had a very nice holiday together. Thank you so much. Um, this praise report comes from Sharon. She said it was a blessing to uh, bring Miss Darrell's, Mr. Darrell's friend, um, Eulalia, is that right? <laughs> Eulalia, uh, to the Christmas Eve service. I've never seen her not sick, so I thank God for her healing. Praise God. Huh. She seemed to really enjoy service as well. Any others this, this morning? No, she's still writing one. Um, Okay, while um, we're waiting for Miss Ethel, we were planning on, and it's in the bulletin there, but we were planning on the um, New Year's Eve service this year. Unfortunately, um, Christmas Eve, I found out that my brother has to go in for his fourth eye surgery. Um, The retina keeps detaching. Um, His family had left yesterday for a cruise. He was supposed to be with them, and the doctor says no. He didn't have time to wait. So my mom's going to be with him the first two days this week during the surgery and then Tuesday, and then I'm going to go out to be with him afterwards. That being said, if anybody would like to help out with the um, New Year's Eve service, uh, doing the dinner, the planning, whatever, please let me know today because if we don't have enough people to help out with it, then uh, we really won't be able to do it here at the church. So just if you would think about that. And also, um, if you would think about me, this is my my prayer request today, is that uh, I'd have an opportunity to share with my brother while I'm out there, um, share about the Lord and share about healing. Um, He is not a believer, um, so that would be greatly appreciated. Okay, Ethel said, I ran... (laughs) 
ran over a box? Was that what it says? <laughs> I ran over a box on Christmas Day and pulled something under my car. Oh, my goodness. Okay. I took the car to Pet Boys, and they fixed it for free. Oh, praise God. <laughs> I wasn't sure I was reading that right, so praise God for a favor. Amen. You want to tell them about Norma? What's that? Tell them about Norma, too. Oh, and another prayer request. Um, this all happened at Christmas as well. My brother, I have two older brothers. They have a different father than I do. He has since passed away. But their stepmom, who I know very, very well, she has been diagnosed with uh, two brain tumors. They are doing surgery on her on the 6th. Now, she is born again, but she does not know about healing. So we are praying for her to, um, in fact, she's making everything um, so that in case she doesn't make it through the surgery, her daughter will be taken care of. Her daughter is a special needs daughter. Um, she's very high functioning, but she would need to go into some sort of a assisted living home. So she's kind of making preparations for that. I'm believing that she makes it through this and is healed. Um, she's still, I think she's 70, I think she's about 70, 71. So if you would pray with me too that she would receive healing over there at the hospital. Yeah. All right, stand up one more time. Father, we thank you that you have prepared us, that we are going to go out to this world. There are going to be some people. Some of them we need to share the understanding we have of your word. Some of them we need to be bold and lay hands on them. They are sick. They recover. Some of those, Father, we just need to get in their lives, speak the word over them. Speak the thing that you told us to speak to them. Or do the thing that you told us to do for them. And have that boldness. For Father, we are in training. Getting ready for these things that are ahead. And every one of these, something that helps us. Father, we pray right now for Connie as she heads up to her brothers. You just give him the ability to hear the words that she would speak to him about Jesus, the healer. That Father, an open door would be there for those that are closed to the gospel to hear the healing power of Jesus. Thank you, Father, that as Norma goes into this surgery, that, Father, as she's believing for a good surgery, if it come out just fine on the other side, that, Father, you can provide what it is she has believed for and asked for. We stand with her on that. We thank you for it in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, you are prepared. Go out. Don't look at your days as being ho-hum, just normal living. You are getting ready. You are getting ready for something. And we're going to look at some, some people. We may spend two weeks on it. I tell you what, my mind just goes crazy when I start thinking about it. just about every single one of them. But some of the great ones, four or five days is all it took. And it changed their entire life. We see them as huge pillars because of four or five days. That's all it took. Get yourselves ready. Get yourselves prepared. Bless some people before you get out of here. And uh, we'll see what we have for some walking around music while everybody's going. <laughs>